trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord when I die. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord when I die. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats were following along. Gale force winds arose, and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Silence, be still. The wind settled down, and there was a great calm. Jesus asked them, Why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? Overcome with awe, they said to each other, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the gospel of the Lord. All right. Can you tell me what this is? It's a what? It's a boogie board. You're right. What do you use a boogie board for? Paddling, swimming. In the pool? In the lake? Anywhere else? The ocean. And why would this be good in the ocean? Because there are big waves. You're right. This is like a for people who can't get up on a surfboard. This is a this is a cheater board, right? For people like me who would just need to be able to hold on to something for dear life while the waves are. I can ride the waves this way. Do you surf? Have you ever been surfing? You want to surf? You're my hero. If you do, I'd love to be able to surf, but. I'm just clinging to my boogie board is what I'll be doing. Waves. There are waves that you can ride with something like this or a surfboard. The waves that we just heard about in that story were pretty big waves. Jesus was in the boat, and he was asleep. The disciples were with him, and there was a big storm and the big waves, and the waves were splashing up into the boat, and they were afraid. The disciples were afraid. What was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. Could you sleep while the boat was rocking and the waves were crashing in? Could you do that? Why do you think Jesus could do that? Because he what? He was powerful. You're right. Jesus knew there wasn't anything to worry about. And when the disciples woke him up, and the first thing he said to them after he said, Peace to the wind and the waves, and it all calmed down. He looked at them and he said, don't you have faith yet? Who are you working with here? <laughs> they knew. They, Jesus knew. He had authority, and the disciples 
were just getting to the place where they were starting to understand that. Sometimes life throws waves at us, things that make us afraid. And when we're afraid, when you're afraid, remember that the same Jesus who stood up and said, peace to the storm, can say peace to those things that scare us too. So just remember, when you're afraid, peace, be still. Okay, now Debbie's got something for you, and we'll see you in just a few minutes. seated. I had plans to take this service away from Jerry, but he did such a great job earlier this morning, I thought you needed to hear it too. So here we go. Welcome, Jerry Campbell. Thank you very much. Wow. I haven't even done anything yet. (laughs) Just stepped up into the pulpit. Jeez, you're so kind. I am a very fortunate man. I have had a rich and full life with many notable accomplishments. I graduated from West High School, Phoenix College, Arizona State University, the Pacific School of Religion. I have been a parish pastor, the executive director of a homeless shelter, the development director of Episcopal Charities in the Diocese of California, the vice president for advancement at two different seminaries, and a capital campaign consultant with the Episcopal Church Foundation. I am a musician, an author, a juggler, carpenter, teacher, and preacher, but nothing, absolutely nothing, that I am or have done means more to me than the fact that I am a father. For the most part, fathers don't fare well in the modern media. More often than not, they are portrayed as distant aloof, judgmental buffoons, completely out of touch with the practical and emotional lives of their children. I have to confess, I don't watch much TV, so if there are exemplary dads on any current shows, I'm afraid I wouldn't know about it. But biblical fathers don't come off much better. Abraham came within a hair's breadth of killing his only son, Isaac. And while it ended up well, you've got to believe that Isaac became a little wary of of parental authority and was probably disinclined to turn his back on his father at family reunions. David may have been a great king and warrior, but he was a rotten father. David basically allowed his son Amnon to get away with raping his sister Tamar, In frustration, her brother Absalom arranged Amnon's murder and then was exiled by his father for years before returning home to foment a failed rebellion against his father's kingdom. And after David's death, two other sons, Adonijah and Solomon, waged a bloody battle over who would ascend to the throne. Needless to say, David's parenting and marital habits are hardly a shining example of family values. But because Joseph was descended from the house and family of David, 
This was the heritage that he brought to raising this rambunctious seventh grader with delusions of grandeur and a fascination with theology. I trust that you're all familiar with the, uh, the vacation that Mary and Joseph and Jesus took to Jerusalem when Jesus was 12 years old. After celebrating the festival of Passover, Mary and Joseph, apparently traveling with companions from Nazareth, headed home, believing that Jesus was somewhere in the caravan. It took an entire day on the road before they realized that he was not there, and they hightailed it back to Jerusalem in search of their only child. Now, having accompanied four children through adolescence myself, I read this story in a different way. We are told that when Mary and Joseph found Jesus in the temple, they were astonished. Well, you bet they were astonished. They were astonished at his cavalier disobedience and his outrageous arrogance. Of course, they didn't understand what he said to them because he was speaking 12-year-old nonsense. And while Mary may have treasured all these things in her heart, I think this young man became obedient upon his return home because Joseph and Jesus had a little talk out in the woodshop, where Joseph explained that while this intellectual discourse had its place, it was also important to know how to make a chair that was sturdy, a bed that was comfortable, a table that was level, and a house that was warm, that all the knowledge all the wisdom he might gain in the temple wasn't worth much if he was not also trustworthy and dependable, which included obeying his parents and not disappearing for three days without permission. And then I can see them there working side by side, day after day, laughing, arguing, reconciling, loving, leveling, and learning. Now, after this incident in the temple, Joseph disappears from the biblical narrative. In fact, though he must have played an important role in Jesus' life, not a single word of his is preserved in Scripture. Perhaps this is because, like a lot of men, what he said wasn't as important to him as what he did. Most scholars believe that Joseph, being considerably older than Mary, died before Jesus began his public ministry. We really don't know. So we are free here to speculate. It is easy, though, to imagine that Joseph's death brought Jesus to a turning point in his life. I can see him standing there by the gravesite of his father, This great man who had loved him and raised him gently but firmly with an emphasis on competence, compassion, and kindness. And deciding there that having made things with his hands all of his life, it was time now to make something with his heart. I simply have to believe that one of the key reasons that Jesus was able to proclaim God as Abba, Father, 
was because he had experienced unconditional love from his earthly father, Joseph. So here we are, friends. Your life has brought you to this temple where you are sitting among teachers, listening, asking questions, and all who hear you are amazed at your understanding and your answers. But can you make a chair that is sturdy, a bed that is comfortable, a table that is level, a house that is warm, a friendship that is lasting, a world that is just, and a love for all humankind that endures beyond the grave? 